0: And I've been repeating this this entire episode. Like, why is someone on our site? Mm-hmm. And will this add value to their experience if they're visiting the homepage or visiting an episode page? And it just didn't seem like it would add value. Yep. So if it doesn't add value, then we need to remove it from the to-do list. From Bright Umbrella, this is Control Clickcast. We inspect the web for you. Today, we're going to discuss our recent controlclickcast.com responsive refresh I'm your host Leah Alcantara and I'm joined by my fab co-host Emily Lewis. Before we get to today's episode I wanted to remind our listeners about our patreon For just two dollars a month you can help us keep this podcast going. In return you get exclusive updates about what we're planning for Control Click before anyone else. Visit patreon.com slash control clickcast to join our community.
1: And if a monthly commitment is too much for you, you can make a one-time donation through PayPal. A dollar, five dollars, whatever you can spare will help us keep the podcast going too. Visit controlclickcast.com and select the donate link at the bottom of our site.
0: And some more control clickcast news, you can now listen to our show. On Spotify. Woohoo. We've been working on that for a few months and a few of our listeners have been asking about it. And so we're really proud to say we're on Spotify now. So just search for Control Click Cast and you should be able to subscribe to the site.
1: Yeah. And we'll make sure to include a direct link to the show in the show notes.
0: Yep. And on our
1: site. Yeah. Well, in a couple days, (laughs) I don't know when I'm going to get to that. (laughs) Which brings us nicely to our topic today, which is the recent redesign of our site, which we're still kind of tweaking and finalizing, but for the most part, it's done. Mm -hmm. So two years ago about, we had an episode we called Responsive Retrofits, And we talked about different client projects as well as our own internal projects that were legacy desktop sites and the different approaches we were taking to make them mobile friendly.
0: Yeah. And of course, we'll have a link in the show notes to that particular episode. But to summarize, the three ways you could retrofit a website would be, one, the straightforward retrofit, where you change the least amount. All you're trying to do is make sure that the site renders properly in mobile. Mm -hmm. The second level would be a little bit of a revamp where there's a limited design approach and you're just mostly focusing a lot on content and navigation. You're still using the desktop as the starting point. Mm -hmm. And then finally, the full-on redesign, new look, new feel, and then a mobile first perspective. Mm -hmm and when we recorded that episode 2 years ago we
1: kind of viewed our efforts to update our legacy desktop controlclickcast.com as more of that middle one you described Leia the revamp yeah. where it really wasn't a complete redesign but it was working from desktop to make it mobile. Yeah. But in that time, it really became a, more than that. It yeah. never got to full redesign like Leia described with a completely new look and feel and a completely new design, but it was more than just a revamp. So we're sort of calling it a refresh. It's just labels to make <laughs> <Yeah>. it easier. <laughs> but what happened is we did a complete CMS upgrade and the front end needed to be completely rebuilt. There was no way it was feasible to reuse the original desktop code base, but we did do a visual update. But was a little pared back from I think what you would define as a redesign, right? Leia? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's the really the best way to explain it because when there's a full on redesign, there's a full on discovery mm-hmm. and strategy situation, and a lot longer IA and content strategy process and ours was, and we'll talk about this a little bit further in the show, was simplicity. That was yeah. our main goal. Yeah.
1: And I think I think it's worth mentioning though, the design we went with, you did a mobile first approach with it. Yes. So it wasn't yeah. taking the legacy site and sort of re envisioning it. It right. was a genuine mobile first approach but really borrowing heavy from our existing brand elements.
0: Yes, yes. And we'll talk a little bit deeper during the design discussion how difficult that was actually for me to like wrap my mind around. <laughs> so in the Responsive
1: Retrofits episode from a couple years ago, we said we were doing a revamp. Now, three years later, we know it was more than that, so mm-hmm. we're calling it a refresh.
0: <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to dive into that three-year-long process of updating the site and the CMS. We'll be sharing the challenges we had with timing and priorities, like Emily mentioned, as well as the process for the visual and front-end revamp and the EE Expression Engine upgrade.
1: So it took us three years to update the site, and we have a lot of lessons learned. So after putting all of our notes together, it was clear that this is going to be a Mm two-parter. So for this particular episode, it's going to be part one. We're going to focus on the IA and content changes that we made, as
0: well as the design
1: refresh And then the business challenges.
0: And then for part two, we'll wrap up with the details about execution, about the front end build, including some accessibility enhancements. And of course, the upgrade from Expression Engine version two to the newly launched version five. So without further ado, let's dive in. All right. So
1: I think one of my clearest, sharpest memories of this process Is we really started it when you and I were at that WeBank conference in 2016. Mm. It was one of our first conferences together, and it was one of the rare times that you and I are in person and could have meetings to talk about this stuff. Right. And so what we wanted to do at that conference, obviously, you know, enjoy the conference, but we also wanted to have some strategic type meetings. Right. And it seemed like talking about control, click, cast, moving towards mobile would be a good thing to get started at that time. And so- Right. Like Leah said in the beginning, we really wanted it to be a simpler process than we would normally go through with our clients because we wanted this to be faster (laughs) than it actually was. But the goal was for it to be faster. And so we didn't go through a hugely intensive process, but we started with our IA structure, which isn't complicated. The site itself is rather simple, as well as a, a close look at our content. Again, we don't have deep, deep pages, but it was still worth it to take a look at it. And all in the context of why. I mean, obviously, right. we want to move towards mobile, but why are people on our site? You know, right. when we launched the site layout, we never, we didn't know that stuff because this was the original EE podcast site, the legacy desktop site.
0: Yeah. And also, years and years and years ago, podcasting when we first started wasn't a thing (laughs) yet. It was just more like- it (laughs) was responsive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was a desktop only site and it was still focused only on Expression Engine as well. So a lot has changed since Mm we joined forces and started podcasting.
1: Yeah, so the clearest things for us were in this in-person meeting were to really clearly for us to agree on what the goals for the site are. Also to assess what we don't need now that we've had a couple years to reflect on this and what we think we're missing now that we've had a couple years to reflect on it. And I don't even remember our reason for wanting to look at our language better, but I just felt we were a little inconsistent, not just within our own messaging on the site. Like we would refer to sponsors as well as advertisers or say advertise or say sponsor. And I wanted us to be consistent with that. Right. It wasn't a huge thing, but I thought it was important at the time. I can't really remember.
0: You know what it is? I think it's because we did have a few people ping us questions that we thought were obviously already on our site. Mm. You know, so for example, how do you sponsor the show? And then you're like we have a sponsor page, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? So it's kind of trying to figure out like, well, why did they actually contact us to answer a question that we thought was obviously answered on the site, right? right? And part of that is, you know, language, right? Like if we label something in a way that doesn't resonate with the target audience, then that's when you get inquiries that answer themselves, really.
1: Yeah, I went through that document we created. So what we did is we created this, a single Google Doc to kind of guide us in this process. And it was essentially started with a basic outline of our navigation and our content. And then from that, we just started making edits and comments. But I was reviewing this doc just yesterday to put our notes together Mm -hmm. for the show. And I was like, oh, I don't remember some of the stuff, some of the discussions.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think for modern web development, this could be considered a quote content priority document, mm, Yeah, you know, especially because Emily and I had decided to skip a formal wireframing uh, phase, really. Mm-hmm. Like, we were just kind of like, let's get all the content done and then move f- as quickly as possible to visual design. So, mm-hmm. you know, having an outline of the content and being able to comment directly on why something should be more prominent or not was important. Mm-hmm. I
1: also think as simple as a Google Doc is, or it could be a Word doc or whatever your cup of tea is, right. commenting, highlighting specific parts of content, being able to comment on that, as well as having a version, versioning system were really useful during the development process. Or even more specifically, Leah, I remember when we were starting to get close to final on the vibe look and feel that you were right. going to go towards, and I was starting to look more at the details of the pages, right. I was referencing our comments and previous versions because this took us a long time. So this just wasn't fresh in our minds. So having right. those comments, being able to go back a version or two to see what we had done previously and why we made that shift was just really useful to help Make sure we weren't forgetting things that we said were important, but time made it hard to remember that they
0: were important. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's talk about our goals. Like, you know, we said mobile friendly, but what does that mean? So, mobile friendly means it's responsive. That means we're dealing with one code base and it will show as expected in mobile devices, tablets, as well as desktop. A major thing in the past few years. Again, I feel like some of the things we're saying right now seems like common sense, but right. wasn't a priority a few years ago. Speed. So speed was a major priority for our mobile-friendly, mobile-first kind of approach as well. And then, in the same vein of this used to be a thing, but then it became a thing. (laughs) HTTPS, SSL. This wasn't even when we first three years ago started to talk about this in our goals. Security was not even on our radar. Mm -hmm. But you know, as the web moves quickly, you know, you have to make sure that you move with it. And HTTPS became a priority for us for our mobile-friendly revamp.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think another one of our goals, aside from, I think, primary mobile-friendly, but secondarily and something we hadn't really considered when we first launched the site, is we wanted to make it easier for people to give us money, whether that was donations or sponsorships or, you know, now, today, Patreon.
0: Yeah, and I remember... Actually, someone actually emailing us saying, okay, we're keeping promoting all this donate stuff. And they're like, where's the donate link? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was kind of a a major eye opener saying, oh yeah, we should get on that.
1: Mm -hmm. And then make it easier for listeners to find episodes. Surprisingly, I guess we just, I don't know what our logic was for uh, not having like a way for someone to easily find an episode because we had so much in the archive, but we didn't even have a search. So I think that that, that was also really important once we saw how long we were going and how much mm-hmm. content we had and how much really good content we had. you know, We want people to listen to even episodes from three years ago have some great information in them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like our podcasting one one episode, people yeah. are always asking us, how do we produce this show? And if it, we made it easier for them to define that now.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We also, after
0: having the site up for a long period of
1: time, there were some things that we really ultimately were able to say, we do not need this at all.
0: Yeah. And I feel like one of the focuses, who is our audience, right? Right. And our audience, all the people listening to right now, are tech savvy devs and designers. Mm -hmm. So the social sharing widgets that we Mm -hmm. added to the site was just not necessary. Everyone who's listening to this show or visiting the site knows how to share a page. They don't need prompting.
1: And I don't think we actually saw activity to support that those were even being used.
0: Right. And in our effort to be uh, faster on our site, getting rid of a third-party service, getting rid of scripts that aren't being used helps speed up the site. Excellent point.
1: We also had a little banner badge at the top of our site, which promoted The fact that our podcast had been ranked in the top 10 podcasts of the net awards for uh, several years. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, at the time when we would get those sort of essentially honorable mentions, we were proud and wanted to showcase it, maybe also a little bit of social proof. Right. Right. But the Netta Wars aren't around anymore, or I don't think they are. I haven't heard anything about them. And no. we also like never won. And so yeah, I yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, how much do you're like, oh, I always come in second place, you know? Right, right. <laughs> well, and the other
0: thing too is, again, it's is this something that will resonate with our target audience? Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that there was enough data to support that it did.
1: Yeah, and when it comes down to it, Back to what Leia said in the beginning, we were just aiming to go more simple. Right. For one, it's going to be faster to design, faster to code, because we have just less stuff. But as we're thinking about that mobile experience that took a big chunk of space, real estate in the masthead area, that how do we want to scale that for mobile? Does it even become readable at that point? It's just not even worth considering when it also doesn't serve an audience or
0: business need. Right. And then with all that in mind too, cutting down content, right? Yes. So we had like this massive about page, which was just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. We could have shorter bios and say the same thing and link to other about pages yeah. like on, on Bright Umbrella's site, right?
1: Yeah. We even had a colophon with like, these are the fonts that are used and these are the add-ons that are used. And these are the And uh, I think we just replaced that with a link to our podcasting 101 episode. Right. Because then that tells you everything that you need. Another thing, kind of minor, but when I was reviewing our notes, we spent a little bit of time talking about this. Our contact form had a subject select menu. Right. And it essentially, you know, filled in the subject line when we would receive an email and it would say something like, I want to sponsor the show or I have a suggestion. And it was really only for us and it's just an extra step for the user. And it's not essential. So easy enough to remove.
0: And no one really uses it properly. <laughs> like everyone just kept the general, general s- inquiry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they use that for everything. So again, let's remove development work or extra checks or potential for things to fail by simplifying. And then we had one little block of
1: content about future plans which just, I don't know, I kind of feel like we might have put it there to fill space. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Originally. And so after time, it was like, we don't even want to maintain this. I don't want to update this. I'm not sure if anyone's reading it. And it makes sense to cut stuff like that.
0: Right. So with all of those out, that doesn't mean we stopped there. Besides paring things down, we had to also figure out, is there something this site needs that it doesn't currently have? Yeah, yeah. And the biggest one, and I think part of it is like a few years ago, I don't know if we really understood we were going to go this long. I don't think we did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we just didn't prioritize search mm-hmm. options. But then after 200 plus episodes, it's essentially a necessity. We've got eight years worth of content, so we needed to create an ad global search. hmm
1: we also, as we mentioned earlier, one of our goals being to make it easier for folks to give us money is we wanted to promote those options. Right. When we started, it was just donate, but now that we've launched Patreon, we've sort of promoted that to be the more prominent option other than sponsorship.
0: Right. And the other thing that we wanted to promote was Bright Umbrella because that's our business. Yeah. And before it was just buried in the footer. So prioritizing who's actually producing this show.
1: Yeah. And that's something I want to mention. I want to just spend a little bit of time on, because I do know we have some colleagues who are starting podcasts and stuff. And when we got into this, this was purely educational and community-based and a way to connect with our colleagues. But a few years back, as You know, I feel like the WeBank conference was when we really started thinking about how we're going to manage this business. Right. And we're like, why are we not leveraging the podcast somehow?
0: Right, exactly. And
1: it was at that point that we decided to start mentioning Bright Umbrella in the intros. We never did before. We just said, you're listening listening. to Control ClickCast. Right, right. Now we mention Bright Umbrella at the start and the end. And so that was something we did in the short term when we were having these discussions. We're like, well, at least we can do is connect the two, you know, make it obvious that this is something we're producing, set it up so it's something that we could share with clients. You have to take it much further than that, but you can't forget those basics. If you want a podcast or a newsletter or some sort of outbound marketing to connect your that's not closely branded to your business, but you want it to help your business, there has to be some sort of brand connection.
0: Yeah. Again, one of those things that seems obvious in retrospect, but since that wasn't our initial goal when we started Mm -hmm. the show, it wasn't even in our radar until we sat down and actually discussed what, what do we want. Yeah, And
1: I think it's something that anyone who's had a website for a long time If you haven't started having these conversations and you're on like year three or year five, you probably should because you now have a couple years of actual information to make informed decisions about that you may not have when you first launch. This is as relevant to someone that you and I might serve, our clients, as it is to our colleagues who may have their own websites or own properties, So sure, we could have just made this responsive, but I think this process of evaluating our content and evaluating how to simplify our information architecture is really important from a goals perspective, goals that we didn't even know we had when we launched eight years ago or whatever it was.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of those goals, we've spoken about what we took out and what we added, but a lot of things we kept. Yes, So kept,
1: but changed. Right, right, right. I think the main thing is the navigation. We really wanted to look at this with a mobile first perspective with a less is more. We didn't really cut anything because we don't have a deep site. We kept our main pages as our quote unquote main or primary navigation. Right. But in the original design, we kind of had a a primary navigation and sort of a, what would you have called it? The category. Category sub-secondary
0: navigation. Uh-huh. Yeah, it
1: was essentially a way to get to filtered views based on category. Right. You know, dev or CMS or business. But as we thought of this and kind of imagined how people are finding this, the categories really weren't As important as I think we thought they were in the beginning. And I also feel like in the beginning, you and I felt it was important to make those categories prominent to also help convey what our editorial focus was. Right. But after the number of years we've been doing it, it just hasn't proved to be critical. We still wanted them though. So we kept that category level navigation, but essentially moved it much lower in the page.
0: Yeah. Because again, if we're thinking about who's visiting the site and why they're visiting the site, the main thing is to listen to possibly the latest episode. That's their Mm -hmm. number one priority is to listen to the episode. And we didn't want to clutter it up by adding this long list of category navigation before they get to the show. Yep. Particularly on mobile. The narrower it gets,
1: the more quote unquote real estate is being taken up. Exactly. From the the original site's primary navigation, we also wanted to just pare it down a little bit to make it more focused on the pages we thought were most important. So we also split up that original primary navigation into essentially keeping some as our primary navigation and then creating a footer or a bottom or utility navigation. Yeah. And those are pages that they're really only for someone who wants to know something more or do something other than listen to the podcast. They're really, there's no point in putting them at the top. They're just not the common pages that most of our visitors are going for.
0: Right. And I mean, they're still useful, especially for just those who are new to the show and They want an at a glance view of what we're about, like kind of like that first priority that you mentioned in the old redesign, Mm -hmm. but that's less of a priority than the show itself, the episode itself. So splitting allows us to kind of still keep that information out there without lowering the prominence of the the actual episode. And, you know, for you SEO folk, right? Mm -hmm. We still have those words. Prominently on every page of the site. Yep. I think it's obvious that
1: we would keep the audio player that we always had on the site. You know, we always want to have our own copies, not just rely on like Apple Podcasts or mm-hmm. um Stitcher or whatever. But we did want a better audio player. The one we had, which I don't remember the name of, but it was a little buggy, but it was also like eight years old. Yeah, it was JW Player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we wanted something that was a little more accessible with better fallbacks. So we kept what we had in terms of having the functionality of an audio player for our listeners. We just, in my opinion, upgraded to a better one.
0: Yeah. And also, I want to make a note about how you're like, well, you can't assume they're going to listen on iTunes. Mm-hmm. A few listeners that we interact with on social media, we ask them like this, that, or the other. And then they mention like, oh, I only ever listen to it on the browser. Mm -hmm. So we, of course, want to make sure that for those particular users, that they have a good experience for actually listening to the show. Yeah. I can't say that they had before. Yeah. Like, I mean, (laughs) again, our site is old. And I feel like... For example, JW Player existed eight years ago and we just, it's there, it works, you know, and that was
1: it. Yeah. We're going to get into the player we chose in part two, but for those of you who are like, oh, what'd you pick? It's called Able Player. Very cool. We also kept our archive listings, but we changed the visual design of them because we realized as awesome as the original design was. We ended up having really long episode titles that ended up getting truncated.
0: Yeah, and so that's really not a great user experience. I think, again, like old school design thought, and it always feels like it's really obvious in retrospect, but when we first did the design, I think we were trying to stuff as much as possible on the page. And therefore, that's why we did the truncation. And then this was before everyone got smart about the, quote, fold, right? And so we were like, try to put as much as possible above the fold. So we needed to, you know, and so our solution eight plus years ago, which we didn't really change until eight years later, was to make small columns and truncate the title.
1: We also made subscribe more prominent. If you look at the site now, it's clearly prominent on both mobile and desktop. And it wasn't so much before But that's as much as people listen from our site on the browser, if they do listen on other platforms, we want them to quickly get to those our our pages, our profiles on those third-party systems.
0: Right. Just again, the simple fact of what do we want people to do when they visit our site? And if they're new to our site, we need to give them the options as easy and as clearly as possible on how Mm -hmm. to stay subscribed. Yep.
1: And then I think the last major change we made to simplify... Keeping things but changing them is the homepage always featured the latest episode, but the original design also had the latest four from the archive. Right. And we just dropped that. The latest 4 from Archive made the focus on just the latest episode on the homepage.
0: And I think, again, that's a much better user experience and a much better, simpler way to to listen to our show. Mm -hmm. And we've added a link to older episodes and Archive is on our top navigation. So it didn't feel like we really needed to stuff the homepage with more.
1: Yeah. So those were the general notes we were taking as we were going through sort of our IA and existing content, Mm -hmm. what we kept, what we got rid of, what we changed. Then we sort of dove into actual content changes, language changes. Looking back, I'm not sure if this was intentional when we had those initial meetings at the WeBank conference, but looking back and seeing what we had at first and what we have today, it's definitely more friendly and more
0: personality, I think. Right. I think our original ones were just like, just utility descriptive.
1: Yeah. And I yeah. kind of, I can't say I definitely remember, but I know me well enough to know that there was some part of me that was like, I wanted us to seem legitimate, you know? And right, so right, having right. a lot of words and seeing more businessy and more formally versus right. expressing who we are right. was important to me at the time.
0: Right. Right. But conversely, the reality is that actually takes away from the thing that makes our episodes and our podcasts special, which is our personality. We cut back everywhere. I mean, Leah mentioned at the beginning
1: that we really cut back the about page. But honestly, every single page is just simpler content, more to the point. We're employing uh, more bullets,
0: I think, for just, you know, key highlights and just quicker blurbs. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't need a huge preamble again. Mm -hmm. Why is this user visiting the site? What are they looking for? Yeah.
1: It also gives you and I less to have to maintain over time.
0: Yes. That is also (laughs) a major, major aspect because content ages itself too. Yeah. Totally. You
1: know, we talked about how we split up the navigation organization, but we also changed labels. Right. The original site, our archive was actually titled episodes. We now have it labeled archive, which I remember doing this. That was what all of our contemporary podcasts were calling those same sections on their sites. So I wanted to get consistent with what other web design and dev podcasts were calling theirs because our audiences are probably pretty similar and that that would be easier for someone to understand that they could dive into more. Same with originally we had schedule and we've changed it to upcoming. I remember this as well. Same reason. That was pretty much what we saw our contemporaries using for labeling. And actually I feel like both of those new labels are much more accurate to what those pages are. Yeah,
0: exactly. And again, it's one of those things too, when you get an email saying, what's coming up next? And you're like, but I've got a schedule page. Why are you asking me this question? But a label saying upcoming would reduce those amounts of questions. Yeah. So those seem really small and they are.
1: But again, I feel like there are little things that are probably what, 10 minutes of discussion to just feel a lot better about what you're putting out there, what your content is, how you're guiding the user to the information. Again, I think it's worth it whether you're Someone who would be a client or someone who was a colleague of ours.
0: And then there was when we were doing the all this initial planning, we had a huge wish list. Yeah. Which we pared down. Yes. But then we pared it down even more once we started actually executing and all Mm -hmm. these plans. And initially we had wanted to have like a next episode teaser.
1: Yes. And that was, again, I was looking at other web design, web dev podcasts, and right. there were those on their sites. And I was like, oh, that must be what we should do. It was just like, I don't know. I was like, well, we should do it. That was
0: right. And I feel like our upcoming page does enough of a, a job mm-hmm. for that type of function or for that need.
1: Right. By skipping it, we saved ourselves design time, Dev time for front end, dev time for E.E., and Leia's right, our upcoming page totally says what's
0: coming up next, Right, so. yeah. And I mean, the other thing again, and I've been repeating this this entire episode, like why is someone on our site mm-hmm. and will this add value to their experience if they're visiting the homepage or visiting an episode page? And it just didn't seem like it would add value. Yep. So if it doesn't add value, then we need to remove it from the to-do list. Mm-hmm. Another one of those items was
1: an advanced search So I guess in my mind, I envisioned we'd have, as you can see on the site now, a search in the masthead area. It's just a basic keyword search. But I imagined that once they got to the search results page, there could be advanced search options where they could filter by category or filter by tag or date or whatever and again, I remember you, Leah, pushing back on this. You're like, do we really need this? Like, is that? Are people really going to be searching by date?
0: Yeah, yeah. We
1: don't need them to search by category because we still have our category filters as part of our navigational structures on every right. page of the site. So is that necessary? Is that necessary to design? Is it necessary to build out?
0: Yeah. And the answer was no. Yep. So we took it out. <laughs> All right. So that was, I don't know, would
1: you say that was really about maybe just a couple months of initial discussions at the conference, commenting in the document, a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of editing. What do you think of this? Yeah, that was a few months. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we moved to visual design. And I don't remember if we kind of intentionally started visual design right after we wrapped up the content IA phase. but Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I, c- I can't remember like when we picked it up. But generally speaking, the visual design phase took the longest of all right. of the different aspects of this
0: design. So let's talk about like why. I think the to like pare it all down, the simplest explanations, we really didn't have great internal communication mm-hmm. on the site as a priority as well as simple task management. It was one of those things where we had the to-do lists created. Mm -hmm. We had all these tasks, but then the way I used to manage my tasks, if a deadline kind of goes, then it kind of goes to, doesn't show up on my priority list Mm -hmm. for more urgent things. And then it became out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Which is unfortunately, but so based in reality, Mm -hmm. easy to do when it's an internal project, Mm -hmm. you know, So there isn't either a partner or a client or someone on the outside who's like, hey, I need this thing. Right. It's you that needs the thing. And just like pretty much anything, it's easy to like put your own needs lower. Right. You know, and there's
0: also the reality client work. The mm-hmm. what billable work is a priority and it limits the time you have on internal projects as well. So. Yeah. I think we do a fair
1: job of sort of discussing the details of our challenges with priorities and task management and even just communication about expectations. Mm-hmm. In episode 126, I don't know, 127, the dealing with business challenges one. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I think we've got some good kind of hindsight lessons learned about that might be worth some of our listeners tuning into if they haven't already.
0: More specifically, I think beyond those logistics that we just talked about creatively, I think I was stuck. Mm -hmm. And I kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the show with like how much design change was necessary Mm -hmm. with this refresh. And that's you know, I think a common problem when it's your own project, you do literally have unlimited direction. You don't have that third party or client who's like, this is specifically what I want. Now give me what I want. It's now me thinking, well, what do I want? And then when you're a creative person, when you're a designer, you're like, oh, I want this. I want that. I want to do something fancy or I want to do this other stuff, right? It's like the paradox of choice. Like too right. many choices, and you can't make one. Right. Speaking of timing, I looked at the file history for like my version one, and the first real shot. So, Webank, just to give you guys like timelines, Webank conference, where we first really had the discussions and then started the IA and all the stuff, was in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then, fast forward to August. 2017. (laughs) That was my first, like my first real shot, actual visual design. Uh, My first comp that I sent to Emily was August 2017. And here's the funny thing, the overall layout actually of what I did there is more or less what you see now. Mm. So it wasn't like I made major design changes from 2017 to launch. It was more specific details that Mm -hmm. I was getting really stuck about. Mm -hmm. And more specifically, the color palette. I remember. Yeah. So with the color palette, like I think with the designer, I'm like, I want to try something new was my kind of thought process there. And- that was the wrong <laughs> direction for that, but it took me a while to quite realize that that wasn't the right direction. And then while I was stuck with the color palette, I was still also simultaneously wondering about some of our initial content and like, um, my like wireframe sketches. So there was no formal wireframe process with this design, but There were a few sketches that I'm like, well, how much of this do I really want to tweak? Mm -hmm. And then I got stuck and then hadn't moved forward after that initial design for a while.
1: Yeah. And I think just to go back to the communication thing, when you handed me some of those first color palette choices and I was like, whoa, I don't think we need to rebrand. I really feel like the original brand is awesome. We just need to get it in a mobile first perspective. And I don't think the feedback I gave you was specific enough to help you kind of know what to kind of adjust. Right. But I also don't think you told me that it wasn't specific enough. Right. So we kind of – I'm like, oh, I think this is way too – in a new direction. I say stick with what you have and just focus on mobile UX. And you're like, well,
0: so you hate these colors. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, (laughs) right. And then we just
1: never – We didn't get past that until months later, I think.
0: Yeah. And then your feedback really did get specific because like it took us months to get to that point where you were like, well, what's happening with this design? Like, why haven't you made changes or whatever? And then you, I don't know what it was, but you rephrased the way you explained about the color scheme and you're like, can we stick with our original color scheme? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the moment you said that, (laughs) and it was just really weird because like maybe I was just like... It wasn't as obvious to me that Mm -hmm. that was what you were trying to convey about, like, I really like our original design. And I think with that, that's really a broad statement. Because then I'm like, well, what of the original design it was? And then months later, you were like, our original color scheme is real good. I'm like, oh, okay, then how can I use this layout, which you didn't really have bad feedback on. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't the layout that I had adjusted that you had issues with. It was really a lot of it was the color scheme. The moment you were like, let's keep our original color scheme, that kind of unlocked something for Mm me.
1: I think it says a lot about the importance of when you are getting design feedback of really pushing for clarity. Like, you know, it's something that you do with our clients, but we just didn't do great internally where you push back and force the conversation to be more specific. Right. But I think it also highlights sometimes how great constraints can be. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I feel like, let's say we finish the IA process. And, you know, with our clients, we normally go, can you give us sample designs that you like? Do you have, you know, brand guidelines or a color scheme? I feel like if we had already established at the beginning that the majority of the major design changes, like simplifying the layout, but we're keeping type, we're keeping color, mm-hmm. then it would have been so much more clear than, here you go, Leia. here's our content. Let's redesign. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. What I want you to do is sort of kind of discuss your design process. Sure. Before we dive into it, I just want to just summarize the things we essentially learned from the long kind of lag in this three year long project was right. we have to have better communication of priorities and expectations accepting the reality that it's possible that the long time frame could have hurt our ability to attract sponsors and new listeners, right. which we're now trying to deal with right. and hope that the refresh site will kind of give us a better platform to work from moving forward. Right. And just, this is so important. Again, it's kind of along the same thing I said earlier, for those of our colleagues who are doing like podcasts and stuff like that, if it's representative of your brand or something your business is supporting... You have to make it an, a top internal priority on par with client priorities. Right. It just isn't something that you can afford to ignore if it's tied to your brand. It's tied to your reputation. Yeah. 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 So Leo I'll pop in with questions, but we, you have some really good kind of summary notes to describe the process you went through with the site. So why don't you share some of that?
0: Okay, so as I already mentioned, the design process became a lot more smoother once we focused on making sure we're keeping the same branding colors, typography, and like the main graphical elements, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And since we're designing for mobile and being more modern, the main change besides like same branding colors, the only tweak really is improvements to accessibility, Right. And contrast. So that meant testing the colors against contrast checkers, making sure that the typography were a certain minimum size Mm -hmm. as well. And once that opened things up, then I worked on massaging our simplified layout. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that we did was we got rid of the sidebar. Sidebar. Yeah. That we just used to shove with content. Yeah. I feel like... You know, especially in like old school web design and everything, like everything had a sidebar. And then as mobile first became more prominent and you're trying to simplify the content as well as the design and then trying to figure out, well, what's important? Well, we realized that we were using a sidebar almost like as a throwaway element. So it wasn't necessary at all for the type of content that we were producing, And I believe it's also better for you as a developer, right, Emily? Well, sure. I mean, a single column, which is
1: essentially what we have, is just faster to deal with when you're doing responsive work. So it takes less time for the front end.
0: Right. And those are like realistic expectations when it's an internal project, too. Like, You Mm -hmm. can't just have unlimited time to do the craziest layouts or whatever. So a simplified layout also helped our goals in trying to get this out of out and launched as well. And, you know, as Emily mentioned, you know, when we were talking about the navigation, we split a bunch of things that meant we needed to have a new masthead Mm -hmm. to account for those particular changes and priorities, like changes to the navigation and the addition of search as Mm -hmm. well.
1: And if I recall correctly, that was the one area that took us the most to come to consensus on. The masthead getting the navigation and the subscribe and the search all sort of working in a way where, you felt like all the key things were being represented and i right. felt it wasn't cluttered or feeling too congested in that area
0: yeah and it's really really interesting cuz i feel like the general layout that i created in 2017 hadn't majorly changed but because we were talking about priorities and what needed to be at the top like i actually widened the content design mm-hmm. in order to accommodate and just trying to figure out, like, how many views will this starting with accommodate without mm-hmm. having to do a lot of development work mm-hmm. for it as well. Yeah. So those were definite considerations and why, you know, as a designer, it's good to understand development restrictions as well. Because if you have an original layout that will work for a majority of views already, then you've already saved so much time for... Development.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, as well, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many designers work closely with devs, but it's something that I really value that not only do you check with me, but if I say, oh, this is going to take me a little longer, you're like, okay, let me adjust it. Like, you have an appreciation for what my responsibilities as a developer are. And it allows us to kind of find a happy medium of you getting your visual and UX design goals met. Well, I can also get my front end getting things done faster or efficiently without tons of extra testing or whatever.
0: Right. For example, just because you have a widescreen doesn't mean we need to fill the entire width mm-hmm. <laughs> with stuff. You know, for us, the our current layout, for example, isn't super, super wide. And that's actually good because then it works for a lot of views. Yep. I mean, typically layout has been the
1: more time and t- like I, I usually set aside like a whole morning just to get layout done for a right. typical site. And layout was probably the fastest part of this particular because right. there's almost no layout level shifts. Right.
0: So the other design changes, as I already mentioned, included accessibility considerations. Mm-hmm. And once we had narrowed it down to like, let's use the original color scheme, except Make it accessible, make it you know better contrast. That really opened up the avenues and going back to basics about branding and what makes our site identifiable. Mm-hmm. You were talking about restrictions earlier on. Mm-hmm. And having accessibility as a priority for this mobile refresh, actually help narrow down the color scheme to something more usable. So even though our original color scheme is pretty good, I actually narrowed it down even further to like a set dark blue, this highlight blue, this link blue, Mm -hmm. right? So then we weren't using, you know, the colors a little bit more haphazardly. Like we are using this particular color, not just because it looks good, but because it needs that type of contrast Mm -hmm. for... Readability purposes it needs to have the particular size for readability purposes.
1: I feel like you did the same thing with regard to typography. Yeah, you know we have we've said a lot that our pages aren't very dense. We simplified everything. The exception to that is our transcripts. They're massive, right. And so I feel like the typography, the font size, the line height, the spacing between paragraphs. Right. Even the color, it not being like pure white, but like right. an off-white, yes. addresses all of those accessibility, usability,
0: readability issues and pretty effectively. Right. And I think it looks better. It's a better design because of those particular restrictions. And that was one of the things that we dealt with. Of course, supporting IA goals with the particular layout and really focusing and honing on to that target audience Every design decision is always like, is this easier to navigate and a lot more clear? I just want to say again, I feel like our transcript is where you can
1: see that in one of the more stronger ways of, I almost wish we still had an archive of our old side up so you could do a side-by-side comparison, (laughs) but it was like impossible to read those transcripts online. Right. As
0: my eyes are getting older, I'm like, oh, I got to zoom in. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And those issues get worse on mobile, right? Mm -hmm. But specifically, we kind of touched on this, but we haven't really talked about it. Like images is a big thing. Yeah. That was a big change from our desktop site. Right. So we are using Font Awesome Mm -hmm. to help with a lot of the iconography. So that looks great on mobile. And that also allows us to have a little bit more flexibility As well to like Mm -hmm. switch it out or, and because it's font awesome as a service, like they're always updating it. So then whatever you see is the latest, greatest version of that icon. Mm -hmm. Our logos used to be the old school 2X pings Mm -hmm. before I believe. And we switched that to SVGs.
1: You know what? I hate to say it, but I feel like it might not have even been 2X just
0: considering when we built the site. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's possible. It was just like 1X. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. But yeah, SVGs now, which smaller file size as well as their vectors. So it looks great on mobile as well. Mm-hmm. In terms of like the mobile design, in terms of supporting mobile needs, we also really discuss the content order as well, like our navigation in mobile is a little bit different than what you see on tablets or, or desktops. So we had to kind of reorder some placement based on what we thought our visitors wanted mm-hmm. and what we wanted them to see in that smaller, smaller scale yeah. as well. Yeah,
1: definitely placement considerations from mobile to desktop are important. For sure. Right.
0: And those types of changes like moved on to our like archive and other internal pages. With our focus on simplicity, our episode archive having the full titles there makes it a lot more readable and clear. And then it's also just in a list format. So again, simple, easy. People can read it from top to bottom.
1: Yeah. And it was also one of the easier pages to build. I think I left it to the last page I built. And I just threw some Flexbox
0: in there and it was like, boom, done. Right, right. So we've talked... A lot about the entire planning process and the IA, the content and the design. And we still have a lot more to talk about, but mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to stop for part one. Yeah. And we'll pick up on part two with all the details on front end and the expression engine upgrade.
1: Yeah. Before we finish up, though, we've got our new 2019 rapid fire 10 questions, which our patrons voted on last year. Woo! And Leia, it's your turn to answer. <gasps> Are you ready? Sure, I'll be ready. Okay. Would you rather travel to the future or the past? The
0: past. Mm. I don't want to know what's ahead of me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's the scariest thing you've ever done? Uh,
0: leave Canada, mm, move yeah. to the United States. Big deal, for sure. Yeah. Who was your childhood celebrity crush? I think this was, like, every girl's childhood celebrity crush, at least in my generation. Uh, Devon Sawa, he was the human version of Casper, the friendly ghost. Oh, okay, yes, I know who you're talking about. Do you remember? It's, like, at the end of the movie where Casper turns into a human. A human, Mm -hmm. And then you're just like, I've had my awakening (laughs) just watching this scene. (laughs) What's one of your pet peeves? Uh... Gosh, I have too many. (laughs) People who complain and don't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. I think you've
1: mentioned this on the show a couple times, but officially, what was your first website? Sailor Moon
0: website on (laughs) GeoCities. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's your favorite time of day? Late morning. Mm -hmm. Can't be early morning. It's got to be the late morning. Mm -hmm. How about your favorite place? The kitchen. (laughs) Oh, Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The kitchen's my my happy place. What's your favorite emoji? Right now, it changes, but right now my favorite emoji is the monkey with the hands over the eyes. Oh. <laughs> because I feel like it's just a little bit more than the hand slapping one, but uh-huh. I feel like there's a lot of uh, <laughs> versatility with the the monkey with the hands over the eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. How about your favorite charity? My favorite charity of the moment, Planned Parenthood. Mm, yeah. Last
1: question, sweet or savory?
0: Both, but leaning a bit more towards savory. Huh, I would have guessed sweet. Yeah. No, I mean, my favorite snack of all time is popcorn. But, oh, yeah. but... It's got to be kettle popcorn. That's why I have to say sweet and savory. I like them both. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. For any
1: of the resources that we mentioned today, we will put them in our show notes. So be sure to check those out. And a reminder, if you want to discuss this episode with us and other listeners, be sure to sign up for
0: our $5 Patreon tier. Control Click is produced by Bright Umbrella, a web services agency obsessed with happy clients.
1: If you want to know more about Control Click, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Control Click Cast, or visit our website, ControlClickCast.com.
0: And if you liked this episode, become a patron so we can create more content you love. We can also use your reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or both. Links are in our show notes. Don't forget to tune in to our next episode. We're going to talk to
1: TJ Draper about the newly formed Expression Engine Community Association. Be sure to check out ControlClickCast.com upcoming for more topics.
0: This is Leah Alcantara and Emily Lewis signing off for Control ClickCast. See you next time. Cheers.